All right, today's top failures, <laughs> sand, all the ways you can screw up sand, or at least the ways that we've screwed up <laughs> sand. True. So you're gonna learn from us and avoid all of our failures from the past. All right, so number one. And number one is missing the value of the surface area that sand can bring. Uh, rather than just the rocks alone for your biological filtration, the millions and millions of particles of sand in the tank might actually be more of a filtration than just your rock. In fact, yeah, the rock is, or the sand is actually just a rock broken down in little bits almost. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's also uh, filtration methods that use sand just to tumble oh, yeah. them. They're really, really effective as well. And so in this case, I just make sure that when you're thinking about your tank's total filtration, think about the fact that all the food and fish waste actually settles out in the right. sand where it's probably being processed by that bacteria as well. So sand just does absolutely play a beneficial role in filtering your tank. All right, this is a fail that uh, I almost did like just the other day until somebody reminded me of this. Yeah, and the mistake is not remembering that black sand, a lot of it is magnetic, in which case when you go, you know, pull your power head off of the side of the tank and you've got black sand at the bottom, you might find, you almost will find pieces of black sand attached to the magnet. Yeah, even worse than that yeah. is your magnet cleaner. Ooh. So this stuff is essentially lava that's been ground up over a million years. Mm. And so it has whatever came out of the ground with it. Some of it may have little bits of metal in it. Mm -hmm. Probably reef safe because it's been sitting in the ocean for a millennia, well, leaching off whatever it was going to leach. Right. But when I go down to the bottom of the tank, it may suck up a little piece of that into the magnet cleaner and then scratch the hell out of my tank. And another big mistake is the sand that looks the best rarely is. Yeah, and I would call this one a mistake of thinking that even though small grain sand looks really awesome and it's like the beach, you know, down on the ocean, it blows around all over the place and it's hard to keep in one spot. Yeah, so if you got an LPS tank or a softy tank and you don't have a whole lot of flow, then that uh, Bahamas like Oolite sand yep. uh, stays down there pretty well if you don't have a ton of flow looks the best in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Also the small particles tend to not capture as much of the waste down there. So it is the right tool, right job, but for most people who have mixed tanks or SPS tanks where there's super high flow in there, it will not stay put, it will cloud up the water and you'll always be moving it around. Okay, so the opposite end of that spectrum is large grain sand. Yeah, and that's mistake number three. And you know, you want the sand to stay in place. So you use large grain sand but that comes with its own set of problems. Yeah, so one of them is that uh, it doesn't move, so coralline algae grows all over it, <laughs> and so your white sand just becomes purple sand yeah. over time. And that's one of the things, actually, I was warned about the black sand as well. Oh, it has yeah. big, big particles in some of it, like the Hawaiian bag, and uh, it actually will just turn purple over time. Mm. Another one is it captures all kinds of waste. Yeah, it's way harder to vacuum. I mean, you think about that python and sucking up the gunk and stuff. Those larger particles still don't like to move with water flow coming out, which mm -hmm. means more gunk and larger particles and spaces for gunk to get down to the bottom it means you have to clean deeper with this. Yeah, and because there's so much space in between those large particles, mm -hmm. a lot of the waste tends to find its way down there. So it needs more cleaning yeah. and it's harder to clean. So large particle sand and that big crushed coral whole different spectrum of problems. All right, so number five is you think, well, maybe there's the best of both worlds. Let's mix them together. No, mistake. Uh, they're both going to follow the same properties that we just said. The large grain sand's going to stay in place. The small grain sand's going to blow away, leaving you with this kind of patchwork of small and large, which might be cool, but for some, doesn't fit the bill. 
Yeah, so it just really, really, really won't work the way that you thought it would in most cases, but it will at least give you coverage on the bottom where yep. the large particles stay in place and you'll get little dunes of the small particle sand. So if coverage is the only goal, then it will work. If you want it to stay incorporated, get ready to mix. All right, so number six, a totally different solution that never works either. <laughs> no. What if we took that nice sand, what the nice duny sand looks, so let's recreate it, mm. mix it with some epoxy or glue, and then glue it in place. Well, uh, again, a mistake. So you know, it's the same as large particle sand, and that was it doesn't move, in which case coralline algae grows on it, and then now you have a purple sand bed, which might be cool, but not the effect you were going for. Yeah, purple dunes. Yeah. Yeah, so that absolutely won't work either. So if it stays in place, that's the theme here, is coralline algae will grow on it. So if you want it to tumble and stay white, it needs to actually move around just a little bit. All right, so number seven, if you've used a reg alive live sand, uh, you might have been one of the failures here. And the mistake is you want the benefits of that live sand, but you dump out the water before putting it in your tank. You actually need both to get that benefit. Yeah, and this is the reason why. Is one of the benefits of the Caribbean regular sand is it's all this uniform particle size. You can go see mm -hmm. and it will like, you know, say on the product page what the like millimeter size of the sand oh, yeah. is. And to achieve that, they dried it out and then they sifted it into the different sizes, mm -hmm. right? and then they add water and bacteria back to the bag, but it's a dormant bacteria that lives in the water. So if you want the benefits of the live sand where it's gonna help you cycle your tank right away, you definitely need to use all the water that's in the rig live bag. All right, so number eight, and we're closely related to the bacteria that's in this bag. Yeah, this is uh, missing that you can add your own bacteria and there are individual products for that whole starter kits that can get you there, but you can add your own bacteria to make live sand. Yeah, so uh, they just added bacteria back to this bag. So you could do the same. You could buy dry sand, or you could even use this and boost it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the more common ones being Dr. Tim's. The number one uh, selling that you guys buy is actually Microbacter 7. And the newest addition, which I'm told is actually the fastest uh, cycling product out there, is the Microbacter Start XLM. I haven't tested myself, but that's on our experiment list to oh, test yeah. all of these. Uh, but you can go ahead and take all of these. We've used most of them in all the tanks here. I've used lots of Dr. Tim's. Oh, yeah. We've used lots of Microbacter 7. We've used uh, the uh, Biospiro was yep. one of the ones we used a long time ago. So we've used all these to cycle the tanks. So you can add that and boost either live sand or even use it with the dry. All right, so number nine, if you're looking to add natural ocean bacteria to the tank, mm. you're not using live rock from the ocean, there is one way to do it. Yeah, and that is the ocean's direct sand. So the mistake here is not considering that type of sand, which it does give you the beneficial bacteria on the surfaces of the sand. You only trade off is that disproportionate you know, sizes. You're gonna get a mix of different sizes. Yeah, so Ocean's Direct is also made by Carib Sea, but a totally different process. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not dried out first, it comes in that bag wet, has a breathable bag, so oxygen and uh, gas exchanging can come in and out, but obviously not water. Yep. And it keeps all that bacteria alive so that when you use it in your tank, you're using uh, bacteria actually from the ocean. Again, the trade-off here is they haven't sifted it out, so there's various particle sizes. And in flow, it does tend to settle out with uh, dunes of smaller mm -hmm. particles and larger particles, so just know that going into it. But if that's your goal is natural bacteria, Ocean Direct is your brand. All right, so number 10, 
Everybody wants to know what is the most mm. popular sand that uh, reefers use, and there's a very, very clear answer to this one. Yeah, the mistake is not using or considering what everybody else is using, and that's the Carib Sea special grade sand. So heads and shoulders above all of the sands that we carry that you guys are buying, and uh, for a specific purpose, why? Yeah, it happens to be that grain size that still looks decent yep. and also doesn't blow away all over the place. So a really high flow will still move around, but it's not crushed coral and it's not oolite. It's right in the middle. The special grade is designed to do a special purpose, which is high flow tanks. Now, there is a close runner up here, which oh, yeah. is uh, Fiji Pink. Fine so, grain sand, though. Yeah, so Fiji Pink is somewhere between this and uh, oolite sand. Mm. Blows away around a lot more but it has these little pink quartz crystals in it. Yeah, it's true. And so actually what they do is they sift out uh, all of it into that uniform size, and then they add the pink quartz <laughs> crystals back. So it doesn't, uh, I've never seen a bit beach that had that to begin right. with. But here's the thing. In the picture of it on the website, you'll see it, and you yep. say, oh, it looks really cool. In the tank, you really don't see it unless you go looking for it with a microscope. Mm. So in most cases, the special grade serves a better purpose for most reefers. Uh, number 11 has kind of been a revelation for me in the last few years, mm. and I'm sticking to it. And the mistake is actively making the decision to not clean the sand when you, can, when you see what's in the sand, too, especially when you stir it up. So if you didn't know any better and you didn't clean your sand, so be it. Yeah. But once somebody tells you mm. that the sand is where all of this stuff collects in the tank and that if you want to prove it, go to the corner of your tank and stir it up and watch all the brown crud come out and then think, Oh, I'm just going to leave it in there. <laughs> it's probably bad news. Uh, over time, eventually, it'll collect up and pollute the tank, mm. especially if a rogue powerhead falls down yeah. and then sprays it all up, and all those pollutants get like instantly released into the tank. Just really, really bad news. So, in most cases, especially with like those one-inch thick sand beds, just a really good idea to clean it. You can pick how you want to clean it, but just not clean it for years is a really bad idea. Mm. If you want to do just little patches of it every time you do a water change, uh, that's fine. One of the best ways I've seen is use one of the uh, water changers from uh, Python, mm -hmm. either just the hose that goes into a bucket yep. or the uh, uh, no spill, no clean one. But you can use the valve or even just pinch the cord to slowly change the amount of flow and how the, the uh, sand tumbles inside there. And you can get all that gunk out of your tank and down the drain. All right, so number 12 is a debate that happens on my Facebook page every single day uh, and I still just don't know the answer to. Yeah, mistake is for those of you not considering the value of no sand at all. And for me, this is this is one near and dear to my heart because you know SPS, SPS dominated systems want tons of flow. I don't want to deal with sand, so I could either choose crushed coral that's harder to clean, harder to maintenance, or some that speaks to me, no sand at all. So let's just get rid of the argument that sand looks better. Okay, it's true. It's true. Uh, so without that, though. The sand just blows around, it's no good. Mm -hmm. And it just collects crap in the tank. Yeah. So if I can put uh, power heads on the bottom of the tank and flush it out and keep all that stuff so my filtration removes it, there's no question. This tank is gonna end up being more stable in the end. It's going to have less pollutants in it. And I think it's gonna have higher success rates because of that. Now, this is all like in a little bit of a debate and you're gonna find out through all of the failures today and all the different discussions this is just a judgment call for yourself. Mm. But no sand on the bottom or bare bottom tanks absolutely has value of keeping the tank cleaner, keeping the pollutants out of the tank, and actually doing it in a much easier fashion. 
Okay, so that said, bear bottoms may be better in some ways, but they also come with challenges and you should know about them ahead of time. And so that leads to the mistake of not realizing that a bare bottom tank typically takes longer to cycle. I mean, we just talked about it in one of the first ones where, you know, there's more surface area with sand, there's more place for beneficial bacteria to grow and populate and, you know, build their colonies. When you remove that, you know, you have less surface area to get that done, which inherently just takes longer to cycle. So I will share that when uh, the WWC team, Josh specifically told us, yeah, the first year of a bare bottom tank is mm -hmm. actually harder, but after that, it's way easier to keep clean. Mm -hmm. I didn't really absorb that all the way until I went through it myself. True. Uh, and when I went through it myself on a variety of bare bottom tanks and saw how much more difficult the first year was, yeah. and bacterial blooms, there's all kinds of different things that happen to it. It's just less stable tank. Yep. And because of that, uh, you should add corals a lot slower, some test corals and whatnot. But I also have experienced the opposite, which is that it is more stable after that first year. Yeah. But you should go into it knowing that that first year is less stable. You're building up that bacteria on the rock and other filtration in the tank. And it just isn't easy because you don't have all those tens of millions of little salt or sand particles down the bottom of the tank. All right, so number 14, I just actually said it, but with bare bottoms, there is a pretty common thing. Yeah, and that comes down to bacterial blooms in that first year. The mistake is not realizing that it's probably going to be more prominent in that first year on a bare bottom tank. Just again, because there's less surface area for those bacteria to colonate and it takes them longer to do so. So you'll probably see cloudy tank more often. I had never run into a uh, display tank that had bacterial clouds before I did a bare bottom tank. Mm. And they go away and they never come back after they go away. Right. And you can solve it a little bit more immediately with a UV sterilizer. Mm. Uh, but you should actually expect this to happen. So a you know bacterial bloom just looks like a cloudy tank. Usually doesn't harm anything in the tank, but visually it doesn't look very good. No. So UV will solve it, but it is again, the bacteria is populating the water to some degree or not on the rock. I'm not really exactly sure, but it has been pretty popular and actually going back in time a little bit, yeah. we had a bunch of uh, experiment tanks oh, on the wall yeah. here that were all bare bottom for experiments and we would get bacterial blooms in those tanks all as well. Uh, and really unexplained, why is this happening here? Yep. So. I just wouldn't be surprised with bare bottoms. You run in those bacterial blooms in the beginning, but once they go away, they stay away. All right, so number 15, actually, I never even thought about this until today when you mentioned it. Yeah, the mistake is not considering how to clean that sand when you aquascape. So, you know, like your 360 tank, you know, there's these really cool channels and deep holes and pockets. Really looks awesome, you know, rockwork-wise. But then you got to start thinking, okay, we just said you want to clean the sand because it traps detritus and gunk how are you going to reach some of those places so there are tools out there some of that like the long python the really skinny long python can help uh, but accessing those is something you should consider yeah so in my case a, a specific thing is i'm looking at this when i'm thinking about sand is i'm going to have to get in there and clean because mm. i'm fully convinced that i needed to clean it and i'm just not going back <laughs> uh, 
But in that area is coral is going to close yep. in the area I need to get to. And so it's looking increasingly hard to me that mm. I'm going to be able to do that. That's also true with people who have packed all the rock against the back of the wall. True. So when you're aquascaping, you know, think about whether I'm going to have sand or not. And if I am, how would I get back there? Because that's the place that ends up actually being the toilet of the tank. And it <laughs> usually gets the most gunk in there. So just think about it ahead of time and you can solve that problem too. Number 16, this isn't a perfect solution, but it's better than none. What is it? Yeah, the mistake is to not consider livestock for cleaning your sand. This is some of my favorite livestock, like sand sifting stars, you know, the gobies and different, different creatures that live in the sand, kind of churn it up for now and then. Mm -hmm. uh, they can help keep your sand clean by just doing that, churning it up and moving it. And they feed on some of that microfauna that lives in the sand. I'm a little 50-50 on this one because a lot of sand sifting fish tend to die. And yeah. They tend to do better like at later dates. So the tank's been up for a year. Mm. Now we can add those guys in. So it's uh, like how responsible it is and how well it works is really kind of up in the air. Yeah. Some of those sand sifting fish do way better than other ones. So make sure you do your research. There's cucumbers that tend to do really well, but they obviously only go through so much. And yeah. they do eat and then they poop it right back out <laughs> into the sand. Uh, there's also Nasarius snails. You watch mm -hmm. those guys dive in, into their mm -hmm. the sand sifting stars. So there's all kinds of cleanup crew that can actually turn the sand over for you. But if you're going to use that route, think about it intelligently, really go into it and make sure that that's going to be your tool and it's going to be enough. So number 17, this is really important actually, if you're going to go that route, what is mm. it? Yeah, and that comes down to the grain size again. So the mistake is not considering that grain size for the types of fish or what have you in the, that you're going to put in the tank. Uh, so, you know, jawfish or diamond gobies or these other ones, they can't really pick up and, you know, sift through some of that crushed coral. It's just too big, uh, in which case you have to make considerations for your inhabitants and make sure that they have the highest quality of life. Yeah, so sand sifting fish need fine grains of sand. Yeah. Uh, even in some cases, like this uh, special grade is too, too much, so your Fiji pink and oolite may be a better option. Uh, in fact, in the clown harem tank, we had a uh, diamond goby mm -hmm. that would clean the sand for us, and he did a really good job there and uh, was in there for a long time. Yep. Uh, again, there's 30 fish in that tank, uh, you know, and lots of food and stuff, so he did well. But one thing to note is we use that ocean's direct sand in there that doesn't have the sifted grain size, so it did separate out. Yeah. So there'd be larger grains in there and then the finer stuff, and he always stuck to the finer stuff to eat all the food. So. If you're going to use those types of fish, make sure that you're giving them the habitat because it really looks pretty sad when they're trying to gum larger bits of sand, desperately trying to eat, and they're yeah. not getting the nutrition, they're probably hurting themselves as well. So if you're gonna go those route and those are your fish, make sure you give them the habitat and diet that fits their needs. All right, so number 18 is another way to save some money. Yeah, and the mistake is not reusing your old sand. So you can reuse the old sand. You don't have to throw it away. It's not no longer good. You just have to clean it properly. In which case, uh, you would just relate to me the, uh, the coil method. So you can clean the sand. Just make sure you do it so thoroughly before reusing it. Yeah, so the way that you do this is coil a hose in a five gallon bucket so the spout is on the bottom, mm -hmm. pour the sand in and turn your hose on, in which case it will tumble all the sand, release all the organics and crud in there. The little bits of sand will actually polish each other's edges mm -hmm. and get all the stuff off. So let it run for an hour or two with each bucket of sand and you can probably clean it off. And I get asked all the time, is it okay to use, uh, reuse, <laughs> reuse sand? I got news for you. 
this sand, when you bought it, was used. <laughs> it's been in the ocean for a millennia. It's as used as it gets. Yep. So you can absolutely reuse it, but you don't want to take the garbage and then add it to a new tank. So number 19 is exactly that. Yeah, and the mistake is transporting your old sand from one tank to another tank. You may think that, you know, I'm getting that beneficial bacteria, I'm getting that boost, I'm, you know, but you're also getting the dirt, the, you know, the nuisance pests, the nuisance algae, just things you don't want in another tank. You also have run the risk of transferring them over. So just don't transfer old sand from one to the other. So basically what you don't want to do is take your tank's uh, septic tank and move it to your new house without <laughs> cleaning it first. Yeah, uh, in fact, maybe you want to leave it behind. But uh, you know, you really, really want to make sure that you cleaned it all. Don't take all that crud and all that waste from the years of the previous tank and then just dump it into the new mm. tank because you'll have some pretty negative results. All right, so number 20, I think this is the single biggest mistake I've made on any tank. I would never, ever, ever do this again. Yeah, and you guys watched it publicly, and that was the mistake of us taking the sand out of the 160. So we're talking like a two-year-plus established tank that had a sand bed. Big, bright idea. Oh, let's turn this into a bare bottom and crank up the flow. Major destabilizing event, and it showed. Yeah, so you might be hearing all the benefits of bare bottom versus sand. I got higher flow. I can you know, get all the crud out of the tank, blah, blah, blah. I mm. wish I had done that. Doesn't matter. Stick with the decision you already made. You got sand in there, work around the sand. Don't pull it out. I can't really tell you exactly why uh, it's such a destabilizing bed, but I've mm. heard it from many, many people. I've experienced it myself. You don't have to be one of these people. We also took the sand out very slow, yep. just a small amount uh, periodically, trying to get to zero. And I don't know if it was the stuff that came out of the sand when we did it, or if it was removing the tank's filter, mm. but all kinds of problems happened after that, and I'd never do it again. All right, so number 21 is kind of about how much gunk and uh, the types of pollutants that get into your tank, we can control that. Yeah, highly debated topic here on this one, but the mistake is going deeper than an inch of sand. Really an inch of sand is you know about what you need for easy to clean, and uh, you do get the filtration, the surface area from the sand. You just start talking about two inches, three inches, four inches. You have to clean all of that, which means more gunk and more time. And in fact, the other end of that debate is don't clean it because it ends uh, up uh, getting all that black, like hydrogen sulfide. Yeah. And then if you do clean it up, that all gets released in the tank and it's toxic. So, you know, everybody can debate uh, their sand depth as much as they want. Uh, I can just tell you my own personal opinion and the different things that I've tried. And one inch seems to be the safe depth where all that stuff doesn't build up and mm. it is easy to clean. And I don't have to worry about a time bomb of a power head getting aimed or falling and then blowing all that stuff up. And if you're telling me in my tank, don't do something because it will explode toxins into my tank, <laughs> I'm just not going to do that to begin with. Okay, so as always, if there's one thing we'd like you to take away more than anything else, the most helpful thing you could hear today, what is it? For me, it's that bare bottom in that fact that I might have to wait longer for my cycle and you know, full maturity of the tank before it really starts to thrive and take off. Something I'm willing to do being so long in the hobby and having multiple tanks before, but knowing that that's going to take that, that long is puts you leaps and bounds ahead of the game. Knowing's half the battle. Yeah. Right? If you know it, you can prepare for it uh, and uh, do something about it. So for me, the number one takeaway is that you really have three options. I can go no sand, mm. I can go sand and clean it, 
or I can do sand and just let it build up all the crud. And this is just my own personal <laughs> belief, but I'm gonna take option three off the table. When I'm making decisions for my tank, I'm either gonna go no sand so I don't have to clean it, or I'm gonna put sand in there, and just know that this can be part of my maintenance rhythm. All right, if you made it to this point, you certainly learned something about sand today. Uh, hopefully learn from all of our mistakes so you don't have to experience them yourself. But if you wanna jump into that bare bottom debate and learn more about what no sand looks like, I think the best discussion we've had is actually over here on the WWC BRS hybrid method, all about sand.